service this morning. We love them. You know, when, when a part of your, your body's not around, you miss it, and they're a part of us, and we're, in, we're so grateful for them. Just want to say that. And if you miss a service and I don't say that, just don't get your feelings hurt about that. But just wanted to say that. Well, this morning, we are uh, going to start up a series of messages that, uh, of course, are, are geared toward uh, the idea of Jesus coming and what, what it means to us. This is a season that uh, begins next week, uh, what's called Advent season. How many of you, you know what Advent is? Just curious. Some traditions have it, some traditions don't um, in the church. Uh, it simply is a Latin word for coming. So when we talk about Advent, we're talking about the coming of Christ. Okay, there are three phases that get celebrated. One of them is his coming in the flesh. The other one is his coming into our hearts. And then there's also the pointing to his return, his coming back. And so those are all good things. And, you know, when it comes to Christmas and this time of the year, uh, there's a lot of ways that people celebrate. Would you agree? There's a lot of traditions, a lot of things that go on. But I hope that in the midst of whatever you do, whatever your family tradition is, that you make sure that putting your focus on the coming of Christ is the central theme. Because really that's what it's all about. Now, it's easy to get caught up in a lot of things. Uh, you know, retailers, I don't know about y'all, but if you got an email account this time of the year, it is unreal. I mean, I get four and five emails from the same place every day, you know, throwing out, you know, cyber this, and, you know, sale this. And, and I'm like, my goodness, I, you know, that's not going to make me want to buy something. It makes me want to delete you from my list. But it, it's just the way it goes. You know, they know people are going to be giving, which is a good thing that we give. But, uh, you know, don't lose sight of the reason. You know, we, we talk about it. You probably see signs. You might even have one in your yard. It says Jesus is the reason for the season. Uh, we want to keep him first and foremost. Amen. But it's an opportunity this time of the year to put our attention on some things. Now, as Christians, we, we keep our attention on him all year, right? Not just Christmas, Easter, but all year. But this time of the year, there's some specific things that we can draw our attention to. And one of those things has to do with hope. How many of you know when Christ came, it said so much about hope and, and the realities of hope? Because, uh, you know, his coming wasn't a fast thing, was it? It was actually a pretty slow thing for him to come. People have been waiting a long time. And hope, you know, is one of those challenging things at times. Um, hope is kind of an interesting thing because uh, when you have it, doesn't hope affect you emotionally? Would you agree? It's, it's good for your emotions, would you say? And, and when you don't have it, does that affect you emotionally? Can't, can't that just almost wipe you out? In fact, in Proverbs, it gives us a little picture of how hope works. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, and it says this, Hope deferred, the absence of it, makes the heart sick. Anybody got an idea what that feels like? Makes the heart sick. Sick. What about, you ever felt like something hit you in life and it was like a gut punch? It was just like, oh, that hurt. Or it's just disappointing. You know, that's what the author of Proverbs is saying here when he says, hope deferred makes you feel that way. But then it says, when a desire is fulfilled or when hope is there, it's a tree of life. So, you know what that feels like too, probably, where, where something that you just you had hope for is fulfilled and it just, it's almost like it nourishes you. It's just really good for your soul. And so, when we talk about hope, uh, it's an important part of us because of how it makes us feel. Uh, when your hope is strong, you're excited. Now, I'm not saying that we should live by our feelings because I heard a quote, and I put it up on Facebook because I thought it was interesting when a person was talking about our feelings, and they said, feelings are real, but they're not reliable. They're real. I mean, you experience them, but they're not always reliable. But hope has this ability, if we, if we have it anchored in the right things, to really be a, a nourishing thing to our souls. It's a good thing, and it's good for us emotionally as well. Because, you know, when you put your hope in the right things, when you put your hope in God, you have hope. In his promises, you know that? You have hope in his purposes. Did you know that God has plans? God has purposes. And, and here's the neat thing about God's plans and purposes. 
is that because of those things, he has the power to fulfill them. So when God has a plan, when God has a purpose, he also has the power to do whatever he's purposing. You see, for us, one of the reasons our hope gets deferred many times is because we can't always make what we hope for happen, right? I mean, when we're hoping for something, we're working towards something, we're looking forward to something, we're trying our best, but we don't really get to control everything. Especially, how many of you have had a hope for somebody that involved a person? Can't that sometimes be a frustrating hope? Because you know what people do? Whatever they want to do. <laughs> and when your hope is, is, is like, oh, I just want them to see this, or I want them to get this, or I want them to move into a good place in their life, and you love them, and, and they're not seeing the same thing you're seeing, that can be a frustrating thing. Uh, but when, when we talk, uh, because that's different. I mean, you can have hope that you're going to get what you want for Christmas. You know, kids, when you're really young, and in that one of the fun things about Christmas is kids are like, oh, you know, I'm going to get, you know, I've been asking for this. And then when they get it, they're so excited and they only play with it a week, but they're really excited when they first get it. And, and that's kind of the fun part about it because of the excitement that it brings. But that's not the kind of hope we're talking about today. That's a different kind of hope. The kind of hope we're talking about is anchored in God. Okay, it's anchored in who he is. It's anchored in his promises, his purposes, his plans, and all those things. And, and, and here's one thing I want you to remember when it comes to this idea. It's neat that God has included us in his plans. Would you agree with that? He's included you in his plans. Now, here's the thing that we should also remember, though. His plans and purposes overall do not revolve around you. They revolve around Jesus. Okay? They revolve around Jesus. They don't revolve around you. Now, here's the neat thing. We get to bring, we get to be brought in. It's kind of like I heard a guy explain it one time like this. He said, it's kind of like uh, there's a movie playing. The movie's about Jesus. You're an extra. <laughs> you can tell people, I'm in the movie, I'm in the movie, but you better be ready as they're watching the movie because you might go, there I am, right there. There, it's gone. Because the big picture is about Jesus. Uh, because he's always working to accomplish his purposes. He's working in our lives. Now, I want you to turn over to Galatians chapter 4. This is one of my favorite scriptures this time of the year. You probably saw it on the front board if you noticed that when you came in today. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And you ladies could just add as daughters. He said, look, when the fullness of time had come. And one of the things when it comes to hope that we have to remember is that there's a process that God's always working. You know that? God's always working a process. When he says here, when the fullness of time had come, God didn't send Jesus right away. There was a process that took place. There was a process that was in play. Now, in our world today, we're very much right now people, aren't we? I mean, some of you might be hoping, get to the point really fast. Because we're right now people, right? You know, you'd probably like for this to be a TED Talk. How long are those, generally speaking? They're pretty short. Concise. We want to just keep it really short, keep it really fast. I would be willing to bet that everybody in this room, your families have a microwave right? Now, I know this may date you a little bit, but how many of you remember growing up without a microwave? It was not commonplace in your home, okay? How in the world did anybody warm up food? Anybody remember? You had a stove. And, and why did we prefer the microwave over the stove? It's quicker, right? Somebody might have even told you at some point it's not even healthy, but you know what? You don't care. It's quicker, right? It's quicker. We just figure, well, it's warm. It must be okay. And, and so when it comes to our life, you know, we even have the ability now, we even have something called Instagram, right? Where I don't have to wait until I see you to tell you what's going on in my life. What can I do? Take a picture. You can see it right now. You may not care what I'm eating for lunch, but I'm going to show you anyway, right? <laughs> You may not care what I just did, but I'm going to let you know. So when we get together, we got nothing to talk about because it's all been on Instagram, right? So everything right now in our society is, is quick because we like things to be fast. 
But you know, when, when we as a society, you know, the norm used to be that people farmed and, and people grew things and people raised animals and those kind of things because that was how you provided. We didn't have grocery stores everywhere. And, and we, once again, we want it all fast. We want it instant. We want it quick. We want it convenient. And, and what we, we lose some truths, I think, that are really important when we move away from those kind of things. And I'm not saying we should all be farmers, right? But here's the, the reality. Farmers are aware of some things that maybe the rest of us kind of lose sight of. They're aware of process, aren't they? They know this is the time of year we have to plant. They know we have to get the ground ready. They know we have to watch what's going on with the weather. They know this whole thing, you know, there's a seed time and there's a harvest. And, and they understand even if they're raising animals and things like that, you know, this is a season where if you got sheep, you know, they, they all give birth for whatever reason at this time of the year. And, and we got small ones. We have large ones. We have old ones. We have young ones. There's process all the way through it. Well, sometimes in our life we lose sight of that. And I don't think it's a good thing that we lose sight of because when it comes to God, he created all that, didn't he? So, you know, one of the things that he does, according to Scripture, is that he teaches us lessons through creation. So one of the lessons that we need to keep our eyes on is that process is a real part of life. So when it comes to hope, if we lose sight of the idea of process, we can be in real trouble with hope because things always are in process. In fact, when we talk about the coming of Jesus, uh, everything that was revealed about him, everything that would happen concerning him was revealed over time. Have you ever thought about how much time actually went by? I mean, God started talking about the coming of his son right after the fall of man, which we don't know how long between creation and the fall there was. It doesn't tell us. Uh, obviously, it wasn't important. But you know, just between the fall of man and let's say if we go to the flood, there's a, there's a couple thousand years. Now think about that for just a minute. A couple of thousand years. So there's time that evolves. There's time that goes by. And, and whatever is in the mind of God, whatever is in the heart of God to be accomplished will be accomplished. Okay, so we would be mistaken if we looked at blocks of time and didn't see a lot of things that God was doing and assumed, well, God's not doing his plan. If we ever look through history and we go, well, this is a gap period. This is a period where God's not doing anything. We would be mistaken. Would you agree? Because God is always working toward his plan. Just a, just a couple of quick examples when we talk about how he's working things, because there's, there's this idea in farming, there's this idea when we talk about uh, those type of things that uh, there's always this underground period. There's this process. A farmer knows that, that when he plants seed, he has to prepare the ground, but he knows once he sticks it underneath there, there's this period of time, and I think we call it germination. Is that correct? Those of you who are people that plant plants, I don't. So, uh, where what's the seed doing underneath the ground? Is there absolutely nothing going on? That's just a period where nothing's going on. No, it's planted in there and it's starting to let roots sprout, right? So that when it pops up through the ground, it's got some root system to hold it and to get the nourishment that it needs and all those kind of things, right? So farmers know this and, and they expect it, right? So when it comes to God and when it comes to how he did things, you know, we, we can start in Genesis and we can see, okay, God starts showing us what happened with mankind. And really in the first six chapters of Genesis, there's a lot of space covered, but not a lot of events covered, is there? I mean, we got Cain and Abel, we've got some, some basic things, and then we come to the flood really fast. And it's like man just went off a cliff downhill really quick. It feels like really quick, but it was really a long time. And, and man became wicked and, and, and all those things, and then God sent judgment. And, and we might think, well, God's not doing anything about saving us here. Well, yeah, he is, because you know what he was showing us in that? Without God, man goes really south, really bad, really wrong. When we let sin, when we let our desires and our self-will rule our lives, we go off the main road. We go way out really quick. And then you might think, well, what's God showing us in the judgment, the, the flood? People look at that and they think this is awful. Well, he didn't, he didn't destroy everything. He saved a family. And what that shows us is that even in the midst of great sin, he's still merciful. He's not looking for a way to destroy. He's looking for a way to save. 
In fact, if you look at Noah's story, you see that he gave mankind after he told Noah, man's wicked. I'm going to have to destroy what I've created. He gave Noah 120 years to preach to him. 120 years of the floods coming. You can come in. And what did they do? Nothing. They ignored him. So God wants to save, but man doesn't always want to. And then we can jump forward another 500 years or so, and you can come to Abraham's life. Now, we might go, well, gosh, that's a long period of time. You come to Abraham's life, and and all of a sudden God picks a man, and he starts to take him through a process, doesn't he? Nothing in Abraham's life happened quick for him, did it? Except that one mistake that he made, that one was quick, but everything else was kind of slow, wasn't it? 25 years of waiting for a child, and, and God was doing something in him, but what was God using Abraham to teach us? That if a person would believe God, if a person would trust him, if a person would put all their faith in him, that they could be declared righteous simply by faith. That's a, that's a huge lesson, isn't it? That's a huge lesson. Then we come over to Israel, a few hundred more years passes, and we get to Israel, and God has this people group, and they're, they're in bondage, they're in slavery, and he comes in with a mighty hand, and he leads them out. We, we get a picture of what salvation will look like in the future because he's going to take us out of the slavery of our sin, and he's going to lead them out, and he's going to do it just because he's God. Not anything about them, it's all about him. And then he's going to take them, and he's going he's to make them a people to himself. He's going to give them the privilege of his presence, but he gives them the law, and they blunder terribly, don't they, keeping it. They, they do a poor job keeping the law, but he's teaching us something, isn't he? He's teaching us through that that, you know what, if we just try to do it by rules, if we just say, well, give me more rules and I'll be more like God, we're going to mess up that bad. I mean, Adam and Eve couldn't keep one, right? So if we just pile them up, you know, 600 of them in the law, we don't get better at keeping them because there's more of them. It just shows us how bad we are at keeping them, right? So what was he teaching us? He was teaching us there's got to have something happen in your heart because once sin is in control of your life, just rules doesn't take you away from it. Heart change is where it happens. So all those things he's beginning to teach, he's beginning to show us. And, and even in throughout all of his relationship with Israel in the Old Testament, here's what we see. We see this idea of covenant love. We see this idea that God is committed to his people. Just like we were talking about with that, that love that pursues us, that relentless love. That's how he was with Israel, wasn't he? He said, look, I made a promise. I'm going to keep my promise. I'm going to keep pursuing you even when you reject me. I'm going to keep pursuing you. So we're learning all this stuff about God. But this is kind of an underground period when it comes to Jesus coming. Because if you and I had lived in that period, would we have been able in our short little lifespan to see the big picture? I mean, think about it. Would you? We would have just seen our little life and whatever was going on in our life. And we might have gotten an idea of how God was, but, but we wouldn't have seen the big picture. We wouldn't have seen what he was teaching. We wouldn't have seen what we can now look back on and put all together. We wouldn't have been able to put all that together. So this period, we might call it an underground period of time where God is at work, where hope for a Savior should have remained alive, but it would have been very easy for it not to because you couldn't really see what he was doing. Now, here's the thing that we should note about hope. When it comes to God, there's always this kind of period. There's always this time between whatever your hope for in God is and what actually happens. There's this gap. There's this period of time where you wonder, okay, what is God doing? And and I'll tell you this about God's timing. Um, It's a mystery. Would you agree? The timing of God is a mystery. People, you know, might think they understand exactly how God does what he does and when he's going to do it. And, and I've heard all these people that do all these studies, studies about numbers and their significance. And, you know, this year has got a seven in it, and that's perfection. And, and I'm like, who came up with that? I don't even know where that came from. I don't see it in the Bible, so I don't really know where they got it from. But, okay, if you say so. But for me, timing's just a mystery. It's just a mystery. I've, I've given up trying to figure it out because it's a mystery. And, and, you know, Paul, 
when he talked about God's timing and Jesus coming, he even said that, didn't he? That there's this mystery that's been kept hidden from the beginning of time. Now it's revealed. Prior to now, the 4,000 years that existed before Jesus coming, mystery. You know, you might have gotten little pieces. You might have gotten little glimpses, but it's a mystery. So guess what? When you're in an underground period, when you're in that period between what God has said and, and the fulfillment of it, it will be a mystery at times. You may not understand it. So you might frustrate yourself if you try to understand it before God reveals it. So sometimes that period is just one that you trust. Now, here's the real challenge. Uh, if you're still in the book of Galatians, jump over to chapter 6. The real challenge when it comes to hope is not letting go of it. Would you agree? Not letting go of it. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, Paul says this. Let us not grow weary of doing good. Now, let's stop there for just a second. How many have ever grown weary of doing good? I mean, it could be in a lot of areas, couldn't it? I mean, sometimes with people, you know, you're trying to do, do good with people. And, and guess what people don't always do? They don't get it, do they? They don't know you made a sacrifice or they don't care that you made a sacrifice. And so if that's the case, what can happen? You can get a little what? Weary. You can, you can, I won't ask you to raise your hand if you've ever felt this. You can go, I'm not doing anything for them again, ever. And then what do you do? You do something again because you still know you got to do what's good. But he says, don't grow weary in doing good. Those of you who serve in the church, I bet you there's been a time where you grow weary. Ginger helps us with the children's church. I bet you she's grown weary. That's the first ministry that people grow weary in most of the time. And we are so blessed because we've got people that stay with it for long term. That's a, that's a huge thing because that's where people usually grow weary fast because kids can be a lot of work, Right? I mean, it's just the reality of it. Their age, they're just, they're a lot of work. And that's why sometimes I hear parents when school's about, after a long break, they're about to go back in, they're like, oh, yes, send them back to school. They get a little bit of work. Those of you who homeschool, you never get that break. But it's a lot of work. So sometimes we get weary. And then Paul says, don't grow weary in doing good. But listen to why. For in due season, kind of like when the fullness of time had come, in the scripture we just read in 4, in due season, you will what? Reap. That's that analogy of growing a crop. If you do not what? Faint or give up, depending on which translation you're reading. In due season, you will reap. So when it comes to the idea of hope, if you're in that place where you're in that, that underground season, you got to do one thing. Don't quit. When you can't see, don't quit. When you don't know what in the world's going on, don't quit. When you think maybe God has stopped working, like he's done, he's not doing anymore, and, and, and I don't know what else to do, but let go. Don't. Don't do it. Because Paul says you will reap if you do something. What? Hang on. Don't quit. Don't faint. Don't faint. It's kind of like if you were a runner, you know, the longer you run, what happens? You get tired, right? And, and, and those of you who've run any long distances, which I don't do, but if you run a long distance, the longer you go, the more the temptation is to stop because you're tired, right? But the only way you're going to win the race is if you keep running, right? If you keep going. So he says, look, when you're in that period and, and, and hope is underground, this is the season of underground, don't quit. Just hold on. Hold on. If you're a farmer and you put that seed in the ground and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're thinking, man, I hope it's coming up. Because I just invested all of my savings in that field in front of me. I hope. And you know what you're looking for. You're looking for that first sprout because you can't dig it up and keep checking, can you? That would not go well for the plants. So you just have to hope. You have to realize it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I'm going to keep doing the right things, and it's coming, which brings us to another thing. When it comes to hope, the other thing that we got to be careful, uh, when we 
when we lose sight of the process, sometimes we can cast off restraint. We cannot cooperate with God anymore. In fact, there's a, a passage in Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 29. Uh, I'll just read it to you unless you want you can turn there if you like. But Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. And when it talks about prophetic vision, it's talking about that, that hope, that projection of hope for the future, that hope that comes when God speaks about what's to come. He says, when people lose sight of that, when people lose sight of what God said, what do they do? They cast off restraint. Now, some people might think, well, casting off restraint sounds like a good thing because it sounds like you're bound and you get free. No, that's not what it's talking about. Now, let me know, when you're hoping for something in the future, you cooperate with restraint. Like, for instance, if you're saving money, is that a challenge to do? Why is it a challenge? It's not as much fun as spending, and you have to go through this season where you're not having fun because putting it in the bank is not always fun. So you have to set it aside, set it aside, set it aside. You can't benefit from it. You just have to set it aside. And no, it's a good thing. It's a harder thing. Okay, but you have to cooperate with restraint, don't you? You have to go, you know, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to spend that. I'm not going to go here. I'm not going to do that because I want to what? Save it. So there's a restraint involved. When it comes to God, if you want the fulfillment of his promises in your life, you will have to cooperate with his restraints, won't you? You have to. You have to be willing to do what he says. If you decide, I'm not going to do this anymore then you have to chunk hope to do that. You know, you could be, I'll give you a couple of examples of some of those type of restraints. A single person has to cooperate with the restraints of God, don't they? A Christian single person does. Because you decide, you know what, I'm going to wait for marriage. Now, I'll tell you what can happen in that period, depending on how long that period is. You can come to the point where you think, you know what, I'm tired of cooperating with this restraint. You know, there was a time in my life when I was single, and I can remember that time for the young people that think it's not possible at my age, but I can. I can remember what it was like to be single. I was single for a long time, so I got real good memories about it. Well, they weren't all pleasant memories, but they were clear memories, I should say. (laughs) One time in my life, though, I remember thinking, God's forgotten me. He's just forgotten me. And that was the season of the greatest temptation of my life. And I look back on it now and I think, man, the enemy was right there waiting for me to get in that position because he wanted me to give the restraints over and go, forget it. I'm not waiting anymore. That's what he wanted me to do. Now, the grace of God helped me in that season. But but you know what? He always wants you to cast off restraint because when you cast off restraint, you've given up hope. You might be a person who, who is married to someone who doesn't have the same faith that you have. You know, it'd be easy at some point to go, I'm tired of waiting for them to come to God. I'm leaving. I'm done. I'm finished with them. You cast off restraint. Forget it. I'm not doing this anymore. Or you could do that for yourself. How many of you know, sometimes we give up on ourselves. You're in a process of change. Processes are hard. They're long sometimes. Any of you had something going on in your life that you want to see God change that's been there for a while and you've been working for a while? You've been asking God for help for a while. You haven't seen as much change as you want to see. Anybody been there? I've been there a lot. You know, it'd be easy to just stop trying, to just go, you know what? I'm never going to change. I'm going to quit trying. Cast off restraint. But you know, the Bible's telling us here, look, when you have hope, it enables you to keep cooperating with restraint. It enables you to keep not quitting, okay? It, it helps you. And when it comes to the coming of Christ, one of the things that I think is really important, and, and when we look at Israel's history, we saw them a lot of times give up, didn't they? They cast off their restraints. So we're not doing this anymore. We're going after idols. We're going after our own way. And when they cast off restraint, they gave up hope, and God didn't want them to. Now, here's the thing. It's really important when you're in a season that's underground where you can't see what's going on that you recognize this is a season. And what I do in this season matters. 
See, sometimes we think, well, I'm just going to wait for the thing to happen. Then it's good times, and I'll be waiting for that. And then when that happens, it'll be good. What goes on in the season that's underground is important too. What you do in that time really matters because you position yourself for what God has coming or you can take yourself out of it. Now, that's kind of a, a scary thought in a sense if, if we give up and don't cooperate with, cooperate with restraints and we let our hearts faint, that we could take ourselves out of what God's doing. But we could. We very much could. And he says, look, I don't want you to do that. Because here's the thing. God wants us to learn this process. And everything in life is going to be similar to what we see in the coming of Christ. And that is God gives a promise and then it's time. And God will do this for us. He will keep reminding us of the promise. That's what all those prophecies about Jesus were doing, right? They were giving us a little bit of a picture, but it was trying to help people remember he's coming, he's coming. And people might've been going, well, you've been saying that a long time. He's coming. Well, it's been a long time. He's coming, but I can't see what's going on. Well, it's underground right now, but he's coming. Can't see it right now, but he's coming. And then one day, guess what? He came. He came. And and when he came, he changed everything. But even then, guess what? He came as a baby. So guess what? There was still a process, wasn't there? He showed up, and then you still had to wait for 30 years for him to grow up. So God's always got this process going. Now, if you're a person today and you're in the midst of one of those underground seasons, okay, you can't see what's going on. You're not sure what's going on. You're hoping that something's still going on. You're hoping that God hadn't forgotten you. You're hoping that he's still working his plan in your life. Let me just encourage you today. One of the things that this season of hope points us to is that you can hang on in the midst of those seasons and trust. Because if it's underground right now, it's still working. It's still working. And so here's the thing that we see in in Christ's coming is this. There's never a time when God wasn't working his plan. Never a time. Not one day, not one minute that he wasn't working his plan. You see, he sees a purpose, he sees a plan, and he's resolute in how he accomplishes it. He, he will have it. He will do it. It's just a matter of when, and it's just a matter of how. Now, here's what he's not doing as well. He's not winging it. You see, for us, we have things come up that, that we, we don't know are coming, and then we have to improvise, right? Or we feel like our progress gets completely halted by that. God doesn't do that. Now, you might look through history, and you might think, well, things happen that were bad. But you know what the thing about God is? He already knew those were coming. And he incorporated it right in his plan. Think, for instance, of the death of Jesus. The scripture says that God works all things according to the counsel of his will. The people who were Jesus' enemies thought, we won. We shut this down. But you know what God saw? Oh, no, that was my plan. What you thought was a victory is actually your defeat. And the enemy of our souls who thought, well, I can kill Jesus, that will end it right there, I win, was absolutely wrong. Because in the thing that he thought was his greatest victory, it was actually his greatest defeat. And so that's how God works. God is at work. God sees what's going on, ahead of it going on, incorporates it in his plan, so his plan never fails because he knows what's coming. So whatever's going on in your life, guess what? It didn't catch God by surprise. You might wish he'd have done it a different way. I understand that feeling. There's lots of things I wish God had done a different way. But none of it caught him by surprise, and and he's working his plan still in spite of everything that happens. Because God has given this whole planet this thing we call free will. I have trouble getting three children to go the direction I want them to. God has billions, billions he's working with. Imagine that. I can't imagine that. He's got billions of people, and he's orchestrating 
everything according to the counsel of his will, the scripture says, and he will have his purposes and he will fulfill them. But there might be a period of time where we don't see what he's doing. We don't see it. In fact, not might be, there will be a period of time where we don't see what he's doing. So this morning, let me encourage you with this, okay? God wants you to maintain hope. If you're in that season today, and I bet you there's people in this room that are in that season today, you're not sure what he's doing in an area of your life. You know, you feel like you know what God's end result should be, what you want it to be. But right now, you can't see that. You're not really sure. What's he doing? How's he doing it? I don't understand this. I'd be willing to bet you for a lot of you, it's got to do with somebody in your life. You know, a person that maybe you're praying for, a person you're working with and trying to help get to a certain place. You don't know what he's doing. You can't see it, God. And you might even think, you know, it's been a long, long time. And I've seen other people's crops pop up out of the ground faster than mine. Now, I don't know if this is true, and I should have looked it up. could have Googled it, I guess. But I've heard that bamboo, like, grows under the ground for years and years before it ever sprouts up. I don't know if that's true. Somebody can look it up if you want. But I'm sure there are plants that vary greatly in how long they're underground before they pop up. So just because somebody else's came up fast, I mean, after all, weeds come up really fast. But that's not what we're after, right? So sometimes things take things of value take time. They just take time. And so if you're in that season, don't quit. Don't quit. Because what if you'd have been around in Jesus' time and you would have said, Messiah's not coming. I'm done believing in this idea. Only to have him come just a couple of years later. Or what if... The time, between the time of his birth and his death, those 33 years, you decided in there somewhere, I'm quitting on this idea. And he was already on the planet and you didn't know it. He was already growing up. He was already moving towards his death on your behalf and you didn't know it. And you quit. Wouldn't that have been awful? So you never know what he's up to. But here's the truth is that he's always working his plan. He's always moving in that direction. Even when you don't see it, trust him. You know, I I read an article uh, this week, and it talked about the fact that the most prominent command of Scripture revolves, and there's multiple ways God says it. He says things like rejoice, praise God. Uh, It's basically a command to keep our hope in him to not get discouraged, don't fear. All those kind of commands, they revolve around an attitude of heart that God wants us to maintain. He wants us to get who he is and stay there. Don't quit. Don't give up. So this morning, if you're a person that's in that underground season, and maybe, maybe something in you has been really trying to hold on, but it's gotten really hard. And you might be saying, you know, I'm discouraged. I, I've, I've almost lost my hope. Or maybe you have, you know. But if this morning, and I want to give this opportunity, if you're a person that says, I need, whatever stage you're in, I need God to strengthen my hope. For whatever reason, whatever circumstance, whatever, whatever it is, you can just say, I need God to strengthen my hope. I would like for us to pray for you before we go. I'd like you to come up so that we can do that. So if you identify with that season, if you're going, you know what? I need to have my hope strengthened. I need to regain it. I need to hold on to it. Whatever it is, I need hope right now. I'd like you to come forward so we can pray for you. If that's you, just come up. Now, here's here's what I want us to do as a body of believers. Now, I'd be willing to guarantee this, that at any point, any time of the year, I could preach this message and there'd be somebody that is being challenged in their hope. It's just the way it goes. That might have been you yesterday. And you might be going, no, I don't feel that today. Because hope can, can get really, can quickly go downhill or quickly come back up. 
Hopefully it's coming back up as we were talking about God's promises. But here's what I would like everybody else to do that's out there. If you guys could all step forward just a little bit, because we're a body, right? So here's what we were talking about this on Wednesday night. One of the things God wants us to increase more in is, is us ministering to one another, okay? Ministering to one another. So what I would like you to do, now, if you're not comfortable with this, you can easily just stay where you're at. It's fine. If you're a person, though, that's going, okay, God, I'd like you to use me. What I'd like you to do is come up behind these people that are up here and just stand behind them, put your hand on their back, and we're going to pray for them all together, okay? So if you're a person that's going, okay, God, I'm willing to be used, then I want you to come up behind them, and I want you just to stand behind them, and and you're just going to easily put your hand on their back, and and we're going to pray, okay? Nothing crazy or strange or anything that you have to do, you just got to stand behind them and pray for them. All right. So those of you who are willing to do that, come on up, get behind somebody. I like to make sure that everybody's got somebody behind them. If you see somebody that doesn't get behind them, because here's, here's what everybody in this room also knows and identifies with. I'd be willing to bet you if I took a show of hands, everybody in this room has at some point struggled with their hope in an area of life. You've thought, yeah, I, I know what that feels like. And so because we empathize with each other in that, we can pray for one another in that, right? So we don't know all the reasons, and we're not going to ask all the reasons. You're just going to ask God, okay, God, show me how to pray for them. Now, I'm going to be praying for the whole group. But Here's what I'd like you to do. Whoever you're standing behind, I would like you to ask God, what does this person need, God? What does this person standing in front of me need? And, and you pray for them according to what God shows you because he knows what they need. He knows what's going on in their heart. So you focus on the person. Don't, don't focus on my prayer. Focus on the person in front of you asking God, God, what does this person need from you? What do you see going on in their life, and how do I pray for them? All right? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before those who are up here this morning needing you to strengthen their hope, Lord. Father, you know every situation, or we may even think we know their situation, but it might be different than what we know because you know the hearts of people, Lord. And Father, we know that when it comes to hope, there's seasons where things are not seen that you're doing. And those seasons can be challenging because we don't see what's going on, and we still got to hope and we still got to trust. So, Father, this morning, Lord, here's our prayer for every one of these individuals who are up here is that you would reach down in their hearts and you would give life to their hope. Lord, that you would just strengthen it. You would lift it up. You would cause it, Lord, just to grow. And and you would cause their emotions, Lord, to just experience the hope that is found in you. Lord, we know that you work beneath the surface at times. And there's times where you're doing things where we can see. But, Lord, we just pray this morning that everyone up here, Lord, would not give up and faint. But they would hold on to their hope, Lord. They would hold on to what God has given them and the promises of your word, Lord. Father, we pray that every one of them would experience a rejuvenation of hope today, that it would be quickened, that it would be made alive, that it would be stirred. And Father, we just ask, Lord, Lord, I pray that every person who's standing behind one here today, Lord, would even take the prayer this individual outside of here, Lord, and continue to pray for them. But Lord, we just pray that you do a work that nobody else can. And Father, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for what you have in store for us. And Father, in this season, we ask that you just remind us there's lots of times in history where it wasn't obvious what you're doing, but you're always working. You're always doing what you had intended. And in the coming of Christ is the greatest example of that. What a fulfillment of promise. What a fulfillment of waiting. And and what a great thing you've done in Christ. So, Lord, I pray this morning that every one of these individuals that's up here, Lord, would be strengthened in their heart, would be touched by your Holy Spirit, would be encouraged in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, wait behind the person that you're standing there with, okay, for just a moment. Here's what I want to give an opportunity for. Sometimes God will put something on your heart for somebody that you need to share with them, okay? 
And, and it may not be the case with the one you're praying for. You may not feel like you need to share anything with them, but I want to give an opportunity because if you do feel that, if there's something that you're like, I was praying for you, and this is what God told me, I want to give you an opportunity to share that. So if you're getting nervous right now, don't be. <laughs> this is not a big deal. It's just something that we can we can do. It's body ministry. So if you have something and you want to share it, if you feel like, okay, God showed me something I need to share. He might not have done that, but he might have. I want to give opportunity for that. So anybody in that position where God showed you something, you feel like you need to share it. You have something, Deborah? Okay. The rest of you, you got a little bit of a minute to think about it. <coughs> this is private. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's not. It's not embarrassing. Okay. But the Lord was showing me that the disappointment and the hopelessness that you feel over Joe was something that began many, many years ago before you even met him. That hopelessness and that disappointment came in when you were very young. And the Lord says that he wants to, in this hopelessness, it put blocks. It's like a stream between you and the Lord that needs to flow freely and purely. But the hopelessness, the pain, the wounds put these blocks up. And he wants to clean out all these blocks. Um, The Lord said that the depths of your heart that is crying out will only be answered by him, will only be answered by a relationship with him that you've never experienced, will only be answered with you bringing those parts of you that are crying out to him and not, and oh, this is private. <laughs> are you done with the other part of it? I'll let her explain that, that part to, to Mary, either now or later on her own. Okay, anybody else have anything that you feel like somebody that you're praying for needs to hear? I was praying about your future, Nicole, because I know that's got to be something you think about now, given your situation. And I saw, I saw it like a book, like chapter 1, chapter 2, and God had the book. And chapter one, he knows exactly what you're doing. He knows exactly how long you're going to stay where you are and where you're going to go after that. And chapter two, what's going to happen there? What's going to happen with this child? What's going to happen with that child? It's just chapter after chapter after chapter. And all you had to do was just turn the page, which was trusting that I'm going to another chapter, another page. And that's all you had to do was just stand there and trust with your hand open. And he'll show you all of it. Gotcha. Okay. Anybody else have something that you you're praying for somebody and you feel like God wants you to share with them? Do you have something done? Uh, well, I saw God just putting there was someone on your heart a lot, and God said He's already done a work, but it's really this message is that God did a work that's inside them, that's deep and ground's a little hard for it to come out, but God's been working there. And so trusting that God's done more than what you think he has because he's, he's working. And it's, again, it's below the surface, but God's saying he's softening, he's working, and you're going to see the results. You already have seen some. And so I also hear an encouragement to be encouraged with what you have seen, be thankful for what has been done, but God is going to continue. He has not forgotten. He's not left and he's not finished. So he'll continue. Amen. And then also, I just saw God just saying that, you know, he's been doing so much in your heart and in your life. And I know you're, I hear a crying out for more. And God says, I'm giving that to you. And there's a deep work happening. And so, you know, it's not always this glorious whatever. But God says, I'm doing a work for you and I'm going to meet every need that you have. Just keep trusting him. Just keep holding on. He has not forgotten you and he will do a work in your heart even more and more every day. He's doing it. So just trust in him. Amen. And Marge, just with what Donna was sharing with you, during the message, I was I was thinking about your husband. And just I just could sense God saying, Don't give up. Don't give up. He's working. Don't give up. <laughs> okay. Getting ready for him. Okay. That's good. I like that. That's like that. 
And Ginger, just one real quick thing. Uh, we're praying. God's got some new things he wants to do in your life. Just some new things. And, and I don't know what all that means, but I just sense him wanting to breathe some fresh life into your walk with him, into so just some things that, that he just wants to do that for you. And so just be open to that. He's got some things in store for you in the near future. All right, anybody else have anything for somebody up here? Now, let me tell you why we were given time for this, because uh, we're encouraging everybody Wednesday night. You know, we're talking on Wednesday night about hearing God. Well, we want to use those opportunities when God's speaking something to us to share it with people. And and so, you know, we don't want to manufacture something and say, okay, well, i got to say something to everybody that I'm praying for. But if it shows you something, we want to be faithful to share it. And that's what we want to do. So one last chance. Anybody else? All right, everybody's good. All right, y'all can go ahead and have a seat. So let me leave you with this this morning, all right? God is a God of hope. He really is. He wants you to have so much of it that it just bubbles over in your life. And you know what? You can. In the midst of anything going on in this world, you can have hope in God because he's that kind of God. And, and you get to do that. Amen? So keep hope strong. If it's not there right now, ask him to increase it. And, and take your attention off of the things that kind of sap it out and put them on the things that encourage it. This time of the year, great opportunity to put them on things that encourage it because come, the coming of Christ is huge. It's just huge. So much God had said, and all of a sudden he did it. He did it. And, and as we'll see in a couple of weeks, he's going to do it again. Jesus is coming back. We're going to talk about that because one of the things that we should hope for in this season is, you know, when we talk about Advent, Advent has to do with his coming. Well, how many of you know there's two? There was his first coming, and then there's a second coming that's still to happen, and it's closer every day. I don't know when he's coming back, but he's coming back. He's returning again, and he's going to set up his kingdom, and that's something to be hopeful of. Amen? Because I don't know about you, I'm tired of trying to elect people that can do something in this world. I'd rather him just come back and take care of business. Amen? All right, why don't you all stand? Let me just pray for you and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for every person in this room. Lord, I thank you for the work that you're doing in their lives. And Lord, uh, we just pray, Lord, that you keep us all attentive to, to your plan and what you're up to and that we would maintain hope in all seasons of life, Lord, knowing that you're working in our lives, you're working in the world, you're working your plan. And Lord, we're so grateful this time of the year that we get to celebrate Jesus and everything that he's done for us and who he is and how he came and uh, just the whole thing, Lord, is just an amazing thing for us to behold. And so we want to give our attention to that, Lord, and remind ourselves of everything that it means in our lives today. And we're grateful today that you always fulfill your promises and you're a person of your word, Lord. You keep your word. Whatever you say, you do. And we're grateful for that. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the opportunity to be your children. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, God bless you. Take advantage of the bread that's next door if you haven't already, and we'll see you back here Wednesday night.